We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit on this Palm Sunday Sunday. Uh, happy to see all your faces here today. We, we are, are beginning uh, what Christians around the world celebrate this week. Uh, this is the start of Holy Week. Uh, and, and for, I think, the life of, of Christians around the world, including us, um, this kind of, this kind of sets the tone and gets us, in, in a sense, kickstarts Holy Week, which is going to end at the cross and ultimately that empty tomb. Our text today, though, is Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem for the very last time. Uh, one of the questions maybe that comes up in my mind the most often when I read this text, especially and maybe even as I read it as the gospel text today, um, um, the, the question that keeps rolling in my mind is, um, how would, would I have seen Jesus on that Palm Sunday? Would I, I have understood the significance of what was happening as Jesus rode in on that Palm Sunday? Would I have been able to see Christ clearly, His mission, His ministry, and ultimately the sacrifice that was to come? I think that's a pretty common question for us to maybe ask of ourselves. Would we have seen Him clearly? I don't want you to answer that necessarily right now um, because the trouble is, is that we recognize um, in life there are, there are times when we don't see not only our world clearly, but sometimes even ourselves. That doesn't surprise you. Um, we know that, that, that on some level our, our minds are only capable of taking in a certain amount of information on any given time. So um, our, our brains, your brains are so amazing that we're able to to focus on what's necessary and on some level kind of filter out the things that there aren't. So I've got a quiz for you here today. I'm going to play a video on the screen. And here's what I want you to do. As you watch this scene unfold, okay, I want you to count how many times the players in white make a pass with a basketball. Okay? That's going to be your job. Okay? That singular task, how many times do the players in white make a pass with the ball? And if some of you are whispering to one another and have seen this, do not ruin it for your friends or spouses, okay? So, you're going to focus on who is making the pass. Here it is. You can make tick marks in your bulletin if you need to. Okay, you got your number? Okay. Let's hear some of them. How many times? How many passes? 14, 12, 15, 16. 16 is the right answer, okay? So 16 is the right answer. Uh, so some of you are paying attention very intently, right? Um, this, this test, in a sense, uh, was created by a man named Dan Simons, um, and he is testing on some level what we call um, inattentive blindness, okay? So, so as you were focusing on the passing, there were, 
actually other things going on. So how many of you saw the gorilla that came into the scene? Okay. How many of you did not see the gorilla? Don't be embarrassed. Okay. Yeah. So like, and if you didn't, if you weren't ruining it for your spouse, there was a gorilla that, uh, a person in a gorilla suit that walked into the frame and walked back out. So at least half of you never saw that because you are such good students, you were counting the passes, right? But it's, it's an example of, uh, of inattentive blindness. So you were focused on one thing, and even though something silly, like a person in a gorilla suit came into the scene, you, didn't, you just filtered it out. Your brain's filtered it out. So um, um, if you've ever done this, they've done this study with millions of people, um, and it's almost about a 50% take rate. So about 50% will pick up on the gorilla, um, and about 50% won't. They just simply won't see it, okay? Um, so some of you are now patting yourselves on the back and you're saying, oh, I saw the gorilla, this is old, pastor, get done with your sermon, like I already, I'm at the end of this, like, okay, um, so, so uh, um, some of you maybe saw the gorilla, you're patting yourself on the back, um, but how many of you saw that one of the players in black actually left the game at some point during the passing? Okay, that happened. How many of you saw that the curtain in the background changed from red to gold during the scene? Okay, a few of you did. So, okay. So, some of you are like, yep, gorillas all day long. I'll spot them. I'm really good at picking out gorillas. <laughs> but, but I'm guessing that, that many of you maybe didn't see that, that um, a player left. So, here we go. Let's back it up. We'll watch the scene one more time. Okay, so here's the scene. There's your gorilla. Okay, keep watching though. So one player already left, didn't they? One of the black players already left. And if you notice, the backdrop went from red to kind of a, a goldish hue, right? Okay. So th this, this, is, this is the reality of the world that we live in. This is called inattentive blindness. Um, it just means that you can only take in a certain amount and there are other things that you have to filter out. Now, the reason for the illustration is I fear that at times for us as believers um, that we lose sight of, of, of the thing that is in front of us or we are so intent and focused on the wrong things that we miss what was right in front of our eyes. I, I think that's the question we ask when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Um, did they see their king riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey? As they shouted hosannas, right? I think that crowd is no different than us. Um, sometimes we focus so intently on the wrong things or life is so busy that we lose sight of who Christ is, what he's done, um, and what he brings for us. And so if anything... Holy Week is a time for us as believers to focus and say, what is this about, right? What's the point of this? That's what we're going to do today. So we want to paint that Palm Sunday picture. Um, we're going to let Scripture paint that picture of exactly who Jesus is um, and, and the results for us in our living. So uh, our theme is simply that, a Palm Sunday picture. If you want to follow along, uh, I've got kind of three points that we want to look at uh, Jesus ultimately shows us who he is. Um, he stirs us up. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but then finally, he focuses us on what is most important, okay? Um, so that's where we're going to kind of head this morning. Um, as we get into it, you're going to see, we do this every single year in your bulletin, um, in kind of the middle pages, you're going to see the entire uh, um, path of Holy Week. So this is a little bit more just informational for you as, as Christians, so you understand, oh, 
Here's what was happening on each day as Jesus walked towards the cross. Um, if you're looking at your bulletin, we're at, we're at point number three there. We call it triumphal entry, uh, Palm Sunday in, the, in kind of the bottom, the bottom right there. Um, the thing that we want to know, I think, contextually of what's happening here is, is Jerusalem was filling up because this was the Passover celebration. So uh, um, historians will kind of estimate anywhere between um, the city would swell anywhere from like about 70,000 people. Some put estimates um, over a million for that festival season. So um, practicing Jews from all around the entire world would come back to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover festival. And so uh, we talk about crowds and the joyousness of all these kind of things. Um, um, in a, the city was buzzing, let's put it that way, right? Likely your houses were filled with family members uh, um, and people that you loved, um, kids sleeping on cots, parents sleeping on bunk beds, all those kind of things are happening during Passover. So uh, um, there's a buzz around the city and it's no accident that Jesus' entrance uh, for the very last time happens during this Passover festival, okay? So uh, let's jump into our text. I want to read for you verse, uh, verses 2 through 5 starting out. So we're talking about um, what picture does Jesus show us? Let's begin with these verses. Jesus says, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, uh, through, through the prophet, Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Okay? Now, uh, we ask, okay, if we want, if you want a clear picture of who Jesus is, if we want a clear picture of our salvation, then on, on some level, we simply have to let God talk, don't we? You, you do that to people you love, you do that at work, we do that all the time. You say, okay, um, um, I'm going to let you tell me who you are, what you want, and, and I'm just going to listen. Um, on some level, that's a little bit what Jesus is doing. And that's what we have to do, I think, on Holy Week, is we have to step back and say, okay, Lord, you speak. You tell us who you are. We might have ideas, we might have uh, um, um, directions we want, but ultimately we have to step back and say, okay, you tell us who we are. So in our text, that's exactly what God does. And um, specifically, Jesus is fulfilling an Old Testament text from Zechariah. So he says, I'm going to enter Jerusalem, but it's not going to be in a normal way. It's not going to be uh, um, how you maybe even anticipate, but it's going to be on a colt, right? The foal of a donkey. So God tells us, Jesus tells us, this is what's going to happen. And I think if we're listening with listening ears, um, we can see that, we can hear that. But what I fear is that maybe too often um, all of the things and the background noise at times can distort our view of what Jesus was doing and who he truly was. Take a look at these two pictures. Again, maybe some of you have seen this. Um, in your mind, think which chess pieces are lighter and darker. Okay. Okay. So you maybe you, you're thinking, okay. Um, when you look at the picture, the bottoms look, chess pieces look clearly look darker. Top ones look lighter. You take away the background. Now, what do you notice? 
They're identical pictures, right? You want to see that again? They're exactly the same. They never changed. Chess pieces are exactly the same. What changed? Your perception in the background. And I wonder if, if that isn't sometimes what we fall into as believers, is that um, the things of this life, the background things of this life become so busy and full um, that we lose sight of the clarity of who Christ is and why he was coming. Right? Um, if that happens to you, you're not alone. And we know why it happens, right? You think of all the things that, that, that all the burdens, all the things that you are trying to deal with in any given day, uh, maybe on a Sunday morning and uh, um, wrestling with kids and, and work and, and just trying to get through the weekend and your mind's already maybe, I'm sorry about this, maybe already starting to think about Monday and what you're going to hit the ground running with on Monday and your commute there and, um, and, and that's not even talking about maybe disease and, and illness and struggles and maybe financial problems and maybe the, the pending or looming um, loss of a job. So all of these things just start to cloud and start to fill in the picture and I fear at times we lose sight of what Christ is and who he is. And his picture starts to be clouded, not by him or even how God communicates to us, but, but by all the things that we bring to the table, right? And maybe you felt that once in a while. Maybe there are days when Jesus and forgiveness sounds light and airy, um, when, when the chess pieces all look beautiful and they're sunny and clouds are outside. But there are days when that's not the case, right? When everything looks shades of gray, right? And difficult. And even our Savior, maybe there are days when, when that Savior that we so earnestly prayed to uh, um, in years or months prior, situation changes and maybe we can't even um, put our hands together and speak to Him anymore. The reality of that situation is, the truth is, your Savior hasn't actually changed, has He? We have. The things that we are enduring change, those absolutely do. But here's the really beautiful thing, our, our Savior knows that, right? And He cares about that, right? That's ultimately why He came into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, right? Was to say, um, I, I understand all the good and the bad and all the background noise within your life, but I'm come, I've come for something that is far greater um, far more significant I've come for for you and for your forgiveness, okay? So the very first point we talk about is Jesus shows us who he is. He comes in on that pole, on that donkey. So uh, let's continue on. I want to read for you verses 6 through 8 and verse 10. Uh, so verses 6 through 8 say, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Now, I highlighted that word stirred um, because that was in general kind of, the, the city was buzzing, but then the city was, was stirred by Jesus' entrance. That Greek word has that idea of, of, of kind of roiling things up. If you take um, sand in, in, a, in a glass bottle with water and you shake it, right, everything becomes murky. You have to wait until it settles out. Um, the town was stirred. It was mixed up. It was roiled up. Um, now, if you remember in my last quote, um, I had highlighted the word king there. Matthew calls Jesus a king. What's interesting is 
Matthew only refers to Jesus as a king two times as in his entire gospel. Okay? One is here in our text that we read today. Right? Your king comes. Right? Only one other time does he call Jesus king or is Jesus referenced as a king within the Bible. Can you think of when that happened? It's a hard one. No, not even at crucifixion. I'll give you a hint. Yeah. At his birth. At Jesus' birth, he is referenced as a king. So very beginning of the book of Matthew, and now here, Matthew also references Jesus as king. And do you remember what happened at Jesus' birth when the magi from the east came asking about this king? I'll give you this hint. Matthew 2, 2-3 says, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Magi asking, right? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. It's, it has the very same Greek meaning there of to stir up or to royal. I, I don't think that's an accident. Matthew calls Jesus king at his birth. And what happens when the king came into this world? In Herod's case and in the case of Jerusalem, everyone was stirred up. Herod ended up putting children to death because of it. When this king is about to leave his earthly body, what happens once again? Everything is stirred up, right? Stirred up. And, and that's good and that's bad and it's everything in between. And I think we maybe get that a little bit as well, don't we? And I think that is, is part of what this picture of Jesus does. It ought to at times stir up uh, in us thoughts of considerations of things that are not just wonderful and glitz and, and, and all those kind of things, but dark and hard and broken. When Jesus comes into our world and into our hearts, that happens. It stirs us up because we recognize uh, um, our own imperfections, our own sinfulness, uh, and maybe at times even our picture of ourself um, becomes a little bit disjointed. Uh, there's a man, um, his name is William Udermolen. Uh, some of you maybe have seen these pictures before. Uh, he was a pretty accomplished artist. You can see uh, um, some of his art here. Uh, William was diagnosed in, I believe it was 1995, uh, with Alzheimer's disease, and he was an accomplished artist. Uh, when he got that diagnosis, he decided he was not going to stop producing his art, and so he did. This is a self-portrait of William, and on the top left was the very first one he did after his diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Um, he did one every year subsequently, kind of going left to right, top to bottom, right? And you notice the differences, don't you? Now, this is... This is um, um, maybe a little bit of a testimony to how hard and how maybe difficult Alzheimer's can be. It's a testimony to um, where his mind was going throughout those years, right? Uh, to the end where uh, um, he couldn't paint at all. The skill that he had earlier in his life was completely gone. But I think it's also a powerful picture for us of ourselves at times. I think there are times when maybe we paint a beautiful picture in our mind of who we are, what we've done, our accomplishments, um, our, our, our relationships, all those things. But I think that there are also times when that picture we paint is not so rosy and beautiful and exacting. 
when we, when, we, when we hurt others, when we sin, when relationships break apart. And I fear that at times we overestimate our beauty in our own eyes, but I also think there are times when we underestimate our beauty in our own eyes, right? Now here's the really wonderful thing. Um, Jesus came and he stirs us up, um, but ultimately, um, as everything settles, what do we see? We see Christ. And how does Christ see you? With beauty. In fact, that's why he went to the cross. That's why he laid down his life on the cross for you. And so, what did that crowd think of Jesus as he came through? I don't know that we have the answer to that. But maybe what's more important is what did Jesus think of the crowd and of you and I and the world as he finished his earthly ministry? He loved us, right? Um, I heard someone once say, Jesus didn't die for us because we were so lovely, right? Um, he died for us to make us lovely, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so our pictures of ourselves might be inflated or deflated, but, but I'm going to be honest with you, none of that matters when it comes to your forgiveness or your salvation. All that matters is Christ and how he views you. And he loved you, values you enough that he would die sacrificially on the cross to wash your sins clean. That's the joy we have. So as Jesus comes in, I don't know what everybody thought of him, but I know what he is. He's your savior, right? He died to wash you clean. So Christ shows us. There are times, I think, when he stirs us up a little bit, but ultimately that leads to our final verses here. It says this, verses 9 and 10. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Now, um, that word Hosanna, so I think maybe more than any other time during the year, we start to build up our, our Christian vocabulary. So I don't know that you probably regularly use the word Hosanna in Scrabble or while you're on the bus or commuting. Um, but it's remarkably significant, right? Hosanna means, means save or save us. And that, that word is so beautiful because um, um, it simultaneously does two different things. It is simultaneously a prayer to your God above, as in like, sa like save me. <laughs> I'm drowning, like save me. And it is also praise to your God above saying, thank God for saving me. So it simultaneously is both a prayer and praise, right? And that's the beauty of who Christ was. Not only does he listen to our prayers, but he also had the capacity to answer them and to do what we couldn't do, and he did that on the cross, right? So when we, when they, when we shout those words, Hosanna, it is both prayer, prayer and praise because he has the ability to do exactly what we hoped he would do. Um, what's a good example of that? Maybe World War II, right? You think of, of of the liberation of, of France and parts of Germany. And, and as allies came in, um, quite often there was just spontaneous parades that, that happened and people are just shouting like uh, um, um, words of thankfulness that they had been freed, that they were liberated. And quite often, um, GIs and things would come in on tanks, right? Uh, um, weapons that helped them liberate and free people of that country. The very same thing is true of Christ, but in a far greater way. And he does not come in on a tank, but on a colt full of a donkey, 
right? Um, and, and your liberation was not through, through might or through power or, or Christ somehow kicking the Romans out of that country, but it was through his sacrifice on the cross on your behalf. And so we can, you can justfully, justifiably say, Hosanna, Lord, save me and know without a shadow of a doubt that that is exactly what he has done. His death on the cross, his resurrection and that empty tomb are proof of that. And so we begin Holy Week with words of Hosanna, understanding this is who Christ is. This is the picture of our Savior, of your Savior, right? Who, who showed us who he is, who at times stirs us up, but ultimately saves us. Amen.